1: It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson.
2: Welcome to the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Robert Mackey.
1: And I'm Dr.
0: Valerie Davidson.
2: Thank you for joining us for uh, our second official episode of the Progressure Health podcast. We're really excited to be here. If you'd like more information about us, you can visit our website at, uh, of course, progressurehealth.com. Uh, today, Dr. Davidson, we are going to talk about thyroid issues, uh, something that you and I both see. We deal with on a consistent basis all the time. Uh, now, to be clear, you and I are not endocrinologists, but yet we are, you know, we are treating people with thyroid problems probably more than anything else.
0: Oh, it's one of my favorite things to do is is to work mainly with hypothyroid. So you get a few hyperthyroid patients in, but I'd say probably 95% of the thyroid patients that we see are hypothyroid or where that thyroid is reduced. That thyroid function is low.
2: Yeah, now, thyroid problems in general, especially in the last probably five years, maybe the last 10 years, it's gotten very controversial. There's a lot of different opinions about thyroid. It used to be fairly cut and dry. Either you are or you're not, based on a TSH level, Uh, those of you that have thyroid problems or at least somewhat familiar with thyroid problems know what a TSH is, or at least have heard of the test before. That is the predominant screening test that most doctors do, and I don't know how many times a week you and I hear, oh, my doctor tests my thyroid and says that it's fine. I mean, I hear that all the time. But yet when you talk to the patient, you ask them some questions, you get an idea that they have some of the classic hypothyroid symptoms and maybe even some symptoms that are not commonly associated with having a low thyroid, even though they're numbered, that one test uh, might actually be perfectly fine. It might be like in the middle of the range.
0: That's interesting that you mention that because you're right. Some. You know, a lot of doctors are testing that thyroid stimulating hormone, the TSH, but they aren't necessarily looking at all the symptoms because with thyroid, there's such a collection of symptoms that go with it because basically your thyroid is involved in every single system in your body. So if it's not functioning at the rate that, you know, at the optimal rate that it's lowered, just think of every system in your body, not that it's turning off, but that it's just actually slowing down. So you'll see, you know, people don't normally pick up on, you know, constipation because your digestive system is slowed down. Weight gain. And of course, people usually associate that with the thyroid because your metabolism is slowed down. People don't normally associate a low thyroid with depression or a lowered mood because your mood is slowed down. Hair loss dry skin because your hair and skin cellular turnover has slowed down so um, and especially energy energy is a big one with that thyroid so we get a lot of patients that come in and they have a lot of these sort of collections of symptoms oh and one other one that i didn't mention is irregular periods a lot of times women will have with a low thyroid heavy 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 periods that a lot of times their primary care physician might not be pulling in all together all those symptoms they might run, like you mentioned, a TSH, but the TSH reference range is huge. So if you're falling on kind of that close end to where it looks hypothyroid, they just wait until it actually falls out of range, which could take sometimes months or years of feeling miserable.
2: Yeah, and usually when you look at someone like that, if you look back, if they're, you know, someone that has good records or something, and you look back at their trend, you go, you'll you'll actually see that their TSH just gradually starts to increase. It's It goes from, you know, let's say 0. 0.9 to 1.5 to 2.2, to 3.2 to you know, and it just goes up and up and up and up, and they won't do anything until it goes above 4.5, which is the, uh, and just so everyone's aware about thyroid, the higher the thyroid, the TSH the lower the function. The lower the TSH, the higher the function or the higher the medication someone's on. And I I see it all the time. I know you do as well, that they won't prescribe anything until that TSH is above the reference range.
0: And, you know, I do test the TSH uh, all all the time, all the time, but we also specifically do the function of the thyroid, which is the free T4 and the free T3. A lot of conventional doctors, they do test that free T4, but they don't necessarily do the free T3. You rarely see that free T3 on there where the free T3 is the active form of thyroid. So it's very important to look at the free T3. And if somebody has a lower free T3, then we know that their thyroid's low. So it's really kind of taking in the subjective information from the patient, which is, you know, there's, there's signs and symptoms, but then also looking at at that objective data of looking at the TSH at the free T4, the free T3, there's other tests too, that we do not just specifically those. Um, but those are kind of the nitty gritty when we're kind of getting across what hypothyroid and how to, you know, how many people we see with that.
2: Yeah, right. And why uh, the, the bigger question then is why is there so many thyroid issues? Why do people have these collection of symptoms that are related to thyroid? Why is that? Well, I think there's a multitude of reasons. Like the, our last episode, we talked in general about hormones. Our approach is to uh, fix, balance, improve, optimize hormones we live in a very stressful world a very artificial you know world in the 21st century and a lot of times the thyroid kind of takes the brunt of that for some of this metabolic disruption that is uh, on a daily basis or or hormonal disruption that we experience on a daily basis we're stressed where we can't sleep, uh, you know, too much sugar, too much this, too much that, not enough of this, not enough of that. Uh, now the thyroid um, really starts to underfunction over time. Uh, and now someone has, uh, you know, all the symptoms that go along with that. Uh, the other controversial piece that has really started to make a, uh, you know, kind of a, a major move forward over the last few years is Hashimoto's, um, which is, uh, and I'll, I'll let you kind of discuss what that is, but in some ways, it's not even really a thyroid problem to begin with.
0: Yeah, Hashimoto's disease is an autoimmune component. It's the immune system is attacking the thyroid and basically destroying the thyroid over time and causing your thyroid function to decrease with time. And so, and a lot of doctors, you know, a few years ago would say if someone had hypothyroid, they automatically have Hashimoto's and just kind of leave it at that. But a lot of, a lot of times what we've been working on, especially is with Hashimoto's, we're not just working on that hypothyroid component, we're working on the autoimmune component. And I kind of believe that there's a few different types of Hashimoto's, which I don't know, that would probably take a really long time to go into because there's several, there's a couple of antibodies. There's two antibodies, the thyroid peroxidase and thyroglobulin antibody. And sometimes people have the thyroid peroxidase that's more common, elevated or very uncommon is just a thyroid globulin or you have a combination. So I kind of look at it as there's three types of Hashimoto's and I treat each type differently, you know, where you're not just doing that thyroid replacement, but you're also doing, a you know, a, a lot of work on anti inflammatory and autoimmune.
2: Right, right, right. And I, and I just a little statistic. Now we're throwing out a lot of, you know, terms there about hormones and thyroid and labs, whatever. So we apologize if that's, if we're going a little too fast or if we're kind of overwhelming you, but usually people that are having thyroid issues that are not getting their answers met, they understand these terms because they've done research on the internet. They're going to Dr. Google. Uh, That's not a real thing. I'm just making that up. You know, they're looking for, you know, questions and answers because endocrinology, at least, you know, the treatment of hypothyroid specifically has really been the same almost for the last 30 or 40 years. They get one a type of medication, all three of them, Synthroid, Lavoxel, Levothyroxine, they're all basically the same medication, so everybody that has a thyroid problem gets the same medication and that's it, and you and I obviously have observed many, many times that, you know, that works for some, but it usually works for a very small fraction of them, and there's just some other piece, another component that's never usually addressed with them. They might feel better early on for the first few months to the first few years. and Then after a while, it's like all the hypothyroid symptoms come back again. And now they're right back to square one. And then they don't know what to do because they go to their doctor and all their doctor will do to manage that is monitor their TSH. If that number's in the reference range, they leave it alone.
0: And a lot of you hypothyroid patients out there probably can relate that they'll go to their doctor and their TSH is low course, then their conventional doctor will say, hey, or their endocrinologist say, hey, your TSH is low. That must mean your thyroid level is too high. We better reduce down your Synthroid. And that patient is saying, well, I'm already coming to see you because I feel like my symptoms aren't resolved. If you reduce my thyroid medication, I'm going to feel even worse.
2: Yeah, right. And that is a, a, an interesting thing to understand about Hashimoto's. As you as you mentioned, it is an autoimmune disease that affects the thyroid, so there's a shift that happens to the immune system to make it kind of go awry. It kind of runs amuck a little bit. Seventy percent of hypothyroid cases, approximately seventy percent, are of the Hashimoto's type. So that's why, as a screening test, you know, a lot of people will come in now. Doctors nowadays, I do, you know, collectively across the country, I give them credit. They are starting to do the antibody tests, but that doesn't necessarily change their treatment approach. They'll just still give them the same medication. That doesn't really help the patient very much, but. When we see a new person, a new patient, and they haven't had their antibodies tested before that's the first thing we do um just so we have that awareness, whether it is Hashimoto's or not, nine times out of ten now I would say I would say seven times out of ten, right seventy percent they're going to have those antibodies present uh, they might be just barely elevated, they might be really elevated there's some controversy even about the uh, level of antibody elevation, whether that indicates or correlates with severity of symptoms. Some say it does, some say it doesn't. But the point is you're not supposed to have those autoantibodies. That means that there's been a shift that's happened there. And, uh, you know, that's where nutrition and supplementation can play a big role in the management of that. Now, I don't like to use the word cure very often, right? I think that gets thrown out there, you know, a little bit of hype and, you know, over-marketing when you use the word cure. But certainly it can't just be medication. It needs to be kind of that, you know, triad of an approach between supplementation, nutrition, and medication to be able to properly manage that over time and control symptoms and maintain thyroid function which is with the the result or the goal
0: and it you know I 100% agree with you of course right but there's another component to the Hashimoto's that's really common too is they have the antibodies elevated but their TSH is just fine, their free T4 is just fine and their free T3 is just fine. And and then I have patients that come into me cuz they're terrified cuz the doctor says, "Oh yeah, you have those antibodies but your levels are normal so we're not even going to put you on medication. We're just going to, you know, we'll just basically wait until the levels are out of range. And then they come in, of course, you know, with the internet and people can get very educated very quickly. So I'll have patients that come in and they're terrified saying, I read about Hashimoto's. It's destroying my thyroid right away. And it's eating my thyroid right now. What am I going to do? And that's actually really um, preventative is we see those antibodies elevated, their thyroid levels are normal. That's where you can really get into the lifestyle, the supplementation, the anti-inflammatory and kind of working on that autoimmune component to it. And then never prevent and then and prevent them from ever having to take medication. You know, if people need medication, great. But the whole goal is if, you know, less is more.
2: Yeah, right. You can really catch them at a a fairly pivotal point and stop the progression of a problem like that. Now, let's be honest, no one dies of hypothyroid, right? It's not a fatal problem. But as we've talked about, it can have a significant impact on quality of life issues energy, mood, you know, weight, metabolism, immune function, female reproduction, you know, it can have a major impact. The thyroid in general has a major impact on all of those different systems. So when the thyroid is, and especially in our really high stress world, the thyroid is you know uh, the collateral damage of that. It's absorbing all of that stress and uh, negative energy. So just ignoring it until someone has an elevated TSH is really, in my opinion, and I know in yours as well, is really kind of an outdated approach. And you said there's a lot of information out there um, on the Internet, some of it misleading, some of it not great. There's some trends that are going in, in different ways that you and I don't really agree with. We'll get into those later on. But thyroid is when you really get into it, you know, when you're talking thyroid, you're talking immune system, you're talking the gut flora in the colon, you're talking liver function, you're talking, you know, all these things that are actually outside of the thyroid that actually have an impact on the thyroid. Insulin plays a role on thyroid function. There's so many nuances and connections between all these different hormones, and the thyroid sometimes is the one that is the you know the sacrificial lamb, so to speak. So, um, very complicated, very uh, you know not black and white either. You have it or you don't. And if you do, take this medication. If you don't, let's just wait. It's uh, there's always something that can be done along that way.
0: And as you're mentioning, you know the thyroid isn't an isolated you know, gland all by itself. It's connected to the other, other endocrine glands. And you had mentioned also with stress. So just on another side note when you're looking at other kind of because I like to look at different types of hypothyroid I don't think there's just it's just hypothyroid or Hashimoto's there's so many different types that we that we find is one type of hypothyroid is directly correlated to adrenal fatigue to your adrenal insufficiency to your adrenal glands which is stress and I always kind of consider the adrenal glands and the thyroid to be best friends they work together so when one drops like the you know a lot of stress on the system or maybe even a trauma to a person PTSD whatnot is a that adrenal take a huge beating, they kind of drop down a little bit, and then the thyroid can only compensate for so long before it starts to drop down. So when you're treating somebody with thyroid, I always look into the adrenal glands. Um, So for example, you might have, which is really common, is I have patients that can't tolerate thyroid medication. They actually start to feel hypo and hyper symptoms at the same time, and that's because we need to treat their adrenals. Their adrenals aren't strong enough to be able to handle the thyroid medication,
2: yeah right when you're just giving if you're giving them just medication alone sometimes it's uh, putting like you know your foot in the gas a little bit and there's not enough capacity or threshold to be able to handle that so you know that right there especially if it's a lower dose or something you're putting someone on and they can't tolerate but yet like you say they have all those classic symptoms uh, it's a good indication that their adrenals need to be supported anyways now in our world in the kind of the natural medicine, functional medicine world, that's kind of a well-known idea. Endocrinology, you know, not so much, right? They only look at end, uh, endocrine, excuse me, adrenal issues as being, you know, Crohn's or Cushing's disease, you know, or excuse me, uh, Adson's or Cushing's disease, which are really rare and really far into the spectrum problems. There's not even really an acknowledgement that people have these more subtle, you know, subclinical adrenal problems. Uh, again, so then all you do is get medication, and whatever. So you and I approach: if you're going to treat the thyroid, you treat the adrenals. If you're going to address the adrenals, then you might want to think about uh, addressing the the thyroid. At the same time. because, as you said, they're kind of best friends; they they go hand in hand all the time.
0: Yeah, and with and with the thyroid, you know, we're talking about medication, and I know we could go on forever. Is you know we don't do synthroid. Or that levothyroxine, we don't do T4 only monotherapy. I feel like you know people really need the T3 component to it. And there is a you know a conventional um, medication, Cytomel, which is T3, but it's an instant release. And then I find people just don't do well on it. They cut the, you know doctors do try. They do you know a combination of Synthroid and Cytomel, and they still don't do very well on it. In fact, Cytomel, being an instant release T3, can actually cause anxiety and cause heart palpitations, which is why you have to go on such a lower dose. You know, we we do do, you know, a lot, especially you thyroid patients out there, you're going to know all about Armour and Nature Throid, which are porcine, you know, sources of thyroid medication that have the T4 and the T3 in it. But we also, you know, which we use a lot, but a lot of times too, we might use a compounded sustained release T3, T4. I find that the sustained release actually helps people that have a lot of adrenal fatigue because then they can tolerate the T3 without getting anxiety.
2: Right, right, right. So uh, you mentioned compounded thyroid. Can you, um, for those that are unaware of what that is, uh, can you expand a little bit about what a, comp- what a, either just a compound in general or but compounded thyroid is?
0: Oh, compounded thyroid, you know, is coming from a compounding pharmacy. So it's not your CVS and your Walgreens. That's where you're Conventional synthetic synthroid is coming from, but a compounding pharmacy can make anything that we want in any dose that you want. It's almost like designer hormones. I mean, like you, we'd always we had mentioned in episode one, all this medicine that we do is really individualized. It's not cookie cutter. One approach for one person is going to work for you know the ten other people behind them. Everybody is different. So, use working with a compounding pharmacist is they can make the exact dose that I want for that particular person in any ratio that I want. And we can do sustained release. We can do instant release. It's really awesome
2: yeah right I think doctors like us you know the anti-aging doctors the functional medicine doctors in general the majority of their prescriptions that they write come from compounding pharmacies Uh, in some ways we almost wouldn't be in business if it wasn't for compounding pharmacies right we um, that is a huge component of you know doctors like us uh, in their business and how they help their patients because the prescriptions are custom tailored to each individual patient where you go to CVS or Walgreens uh, where you get basically whatever doses are available, you know, five milligrams, 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams, a hundred milligrams, you know, if one is, you know, one may be good, one may be too high, one might be too low. And that's the only options that you have. There's definitely limitations to that. Now, again, that's not to say that medication isn't beneficial. There's always a time and a place for every medication for given the situation. The compounding pharmacies just give us a lot more options um, to, you know, more specifically be able to help someone, whether it is in this case, we're talking about thyroid or we're talking about something else. You know, menopause or perimenopause or testosterone. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of options there. One thing about compounding pharmacies, it's becoming a, a very controversial topic. So you might hear bad things about compounding pharmacies. I think a, a good rule of thumb is if you're working with a compounding pharmacy, do a little bit of research, find a good one, making sure that they're possibly P, what they call PCAB certified. You know, they go have to go through all the regulations that other pharmacies go through. So don't. If you hear bad stories about compounding pharmacies, just know that there's probably a little propaganda behind that. No, because we wouldn't, uh, we have all the trust and faith in, a, in compounding. Oh, granted, it has to be a good compounding pharmacy, um, but just because one's bad doesn't mean they're all bad. Some of them are just amazing, fantastic pharmacies.
0: Oh, yeah, no, definitely. We always do our due diligence. I have a, a few pharmacies that I compounding pharmacies that I love and then there's a couple that I don't love you know because you just have to do your research on there and find one that you absolutely trust so you know unfortunately people are kind of looking maybe with cost or with insurance and certain pharmacies cover this or cover that is you got to be careful with your health it's you know you got to make sure you go with a place that you trust
2: Yeah, and compounding pharmacies right now are you know are fairly popular so they're kind of cropping up all over the place because of this movement that's happening right This shift in medicine that has been on Going now um, you and I started practice in uh, you know 2003 2004 um, so well over a decade now and just the changes we've seen in that amount of time is just amazing you know the influx of people looking for doctors like you and I across the country you know on the West Coast the East Coast all around the world uh, you know, so that type of demand is going to make pharmacies crop up. So it does behoove you to do a little bit of research and due diligence. But usually if you're working with a good practitioner, that doctor that you're working with will already have a few that they know, like and trust. So you can put your faith in the doctor to make sure that they're choosing a good pharmacy.
0: Sorry, we got off a little bit on a tangent.
2: But honestly, though, I think when it comes to thyroid specifically, especially like you say, you and I like to use compounded thyroid a lot because of the flexibility and the autonomy that it has in the prescribing. I think that's a really important thing. And a lot of people are not really aware that compounding pharmacy, what a compounding pharmacy even is. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's a major component of of what we do with people. Um, You know, People need to understand the distinction between a CVS or Walgreens and a really good compounding pharmacy because they are, in some ways, they are completely different animals. Um, they are like comparing apples to pumpkins. They are not the same thing uh, in a variety of ways. CVS and Walgreens—they don't do compounding. If they do, I wouldn't trust them. That's Mm-mm. not really their forte. That's not you know wh- how they've built their businesses. Um, we're a compounding pharmacy. That's really their bread and butter. That's what they do. So I think that's a you know we'll talk probably more about compounding pharmacies later on. We uh, I know that Charlie and I way back when in the Dr. Rob show uh, one of the pharmacies we work with in California we actually. I interviewed one of the, one of the owners of the, uh, it's called Harbor Compounding. And, uh, you know, they're just great. We, you know, we've been working with them for a number of years and we went through some of the issues. And at that point, there was some legislation trying to close down compounding pharmacies. Of course, it, it didn't happen, but those types of things, uh, those types of issues are happening on an ongoing basis.
0: Yeah. So maybe in the future, that actually sounds like a great idea. We'll get get somebody to interview for the compounding pharmacies. Yeah.
2: Because really, ultimately, that whole process is really about the mm-hmm. betterment of the patient. You know, what we can do that is custom tailored to the, you know, the patient. And with thyroid, especially Hashimoto's, I think that's a very relevant conversa- conversation because it's a big component of, of how, um, you know, how they get treated.
0: Yeah, and and same also goes for supplements too. You know, you you got to be careful who, what companies you're getting your supplementation from, because you got to you got to trust them and know what's in there. Is it really in there, and that their fillers aren't garbage.
2: Yeah, right. Especially with everything coming from China and overseas you know, because of cost and mass production and, you know, uh, raw materials, and that's going to become, it's already an issue, but it's going to become more and more of an issue as time goes on. So you want to make sure, you know, just going to the big box store and picking up something that's on sale, you know, may not really be the best idea from a quality perspective. There, mm-hmm. There's there been some studies out. I know uh, the New York State, uh, the Attorney General did a couple of studies on things, you know, public brands of some supplements and found that, you know, some of them didn't have any of the listed ingredients on the supplement uh, some of them had contaminants. Some of them had extraneous ingredients in there. So, because you and I use a lot of supplementation, we're very particular about what we use, why we use it, and where it comes from. As everyone should be that way. But just because something is a vitamin C or a vitamin D or this or that, it's not all created equal. Unfortunately, there's not a, there's not as much rules and regulations in the supplement industry. Um, so anybody can literally make a product tomorrow and put it on put it on the shelf in a, in a store. Not literally in one day necessarily. Necessarily, but anybody can do that. Uh, so it is still kind of like the wild, wild west and there needs to be you know, a little bit more oversight or in what we're talking about here, a little bit more education and awareness so people can make the best choices possible.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely our, our key here is to educate and make you aware of you know some of these different resources that you have. So if you've got Hypothyroid you don 't necessarily have to be on synthroid, and if you don 't feel good on synthroid, there are a lot of other options we can do
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's not a it 's not that proverbial cookie cutter thing where everyone 's going to get the same medication mm-hmm. because as we 've been talking about the thyroid is very complex it 's being affected by so many different things. You can't tell me that you know thirty million people that have a thyroid problem all need the same medication. It's just not that cut and dry. It's way more complicated than that. But at the same time, it's not impossible either. It Doesn't have to be, uh, you know, where people don't have to suffer, un, uh, you know, unnecessarily because one medication doesn't work for them.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, because they're looking at. A cookie cutter, where we're looking at it more individualized, like you're saying. And and just on a little, you know, kind of side note is I actually work with a lot of patients that have had thyroid cancer. And so they've had their thyroid completely removed. And you'd be amazed at these people, they might even be the same size, the same mass in terms of, you know, their weight. And they're on completely different doses of thyroid that I have on them. I and I usually end up doing a, a compounded sustained release on the patients that don't have any thyroid function at all, because they don't have a thyroid. And you also have to keep it at a certain level to prevent any molecules of thyroid that might've been left from the surgery from, cause you can actually grow back a new thyroid. But my point being is you have two people that look almost the same, especially in their weight and whatnot, and they're on two different completely doses because those fit for them. So it's actually really interesting.
2: Yeah, some sometimes, now usually I've noticed, I don't, I don't know what you've noticed, that usually when someone doesn't have the thyroid gland anymore, they're usually on a relatively higher dose, right? Because they need the medication. But I've seen it where people are kind of all across that spectrum. Some are low, some are high, some are in the middle of the range. Um, it is kind of unique. You think that if they didn't have the gland there anymore, that everyone would be on relatively a similar dose, but it's, it is very, very much individualized. Uh, and I'm sure that goes to gender and you know athletic ability, Ability, muscle mass, genetics, um, lifestyle. There's so many things that impact that what do- someone's dose is going to be. I,
0: I think it's the adrenal glands a lot too, because somebody might have more, you know, work that we have to work on those adrenals for, for their absorption of their thyroid. So it is it is really interesting on that. And you think about people that are hypothyroid. They have their thyroid and whether it's Hashimoto's or whatnot, there is some thyroid function there. So we're really just, you know, our whole goal, unlike, you know, what usually happens with Synthroid is not to turn off your own thyroid. If anything, my goal is to work on someone's thyroid with, you know, using medication, using lifestyle and supplements and whatnot to try to maybe even get their own thyroid to pick up on their own. I have a lot of patients that we start off on a certain dose and we end up lowering it over time.
2: Which, with the conventional approach, that never happens, right? The dose always just continues to go up. Or um, go
0: down if their TSH is doing, you know... Or they
2: do the proverbial kind of flip-flop. They One dose is too high, one dose is too low, and they go back and forth and back and forth and back oh, and yeah. forth. Every six months, their dose is changing because their doctor lowers it, and they, they don't feel good, and their TSH <laughs> goes up, and then they go back to the doctor, and they increase it again. And that's, that's the point, is that they only have basically two or three options. One's too high, one's too low, the one in the middle doesn't work, uh, you know, so... It uh, it gets to be frustrating, and those are the people that uh, that tend to come and seek us out, or doctors like us, because they're just so frustrated because they're not getting they're not getting any better, they're not getting improvement, and that you know that doesn't take very long to realize that that approach, conventional approach, is just you know just not effective over the long term.
0: Yeah. So if you're not happy with your current doctor, you know, go find another one, go look up, you know, a doctor in your town that does functional medicine. Every, I would say every thyroid patient I've seen has seen at least one doctor before me, if not more, because they're looking for answers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the trend. They, you know, they go to, they go to the specialist, they go to their primary care, the primary care refers them on to somebody else. They go internal medicine or endocrinology, whatever. And by the time they end up on our doorstep, you know, they've gone to two or three different doctors and they've all been told the exact same thing. And I don't know, I, I know that you have a Kleenex on your desk. I have a Kleenex on my desk when sometimes uh, when you start to talk to someone and it gives them a sense of hope, right? It gives them this sense of relief that they have finally found a solution to their problem and of course they start to cry you know which is uh, makes me uncomfortable I certainly don't want to see a woman cry necessarily the men typically don't right they you know they're you know but they probably would but they'd never admit it um, <laughs> you know but and that's where it gets to be very um, you know for you know, when you know how to help someone in that capacity like that you, know, that you can just see the the joy and the happiness on their face and they just feel so you know, and honestly even at that point if they're a new patient they haven't even you haven't even done anything yet right but you're just you know, you're just talking in the you're giving them a sense of hope and you're giving them a an option that they haven't been exposed to before. Yeah, you know, that's great. You know, that's fantastic. So we're we're really uh, blessed and happy to be able to help people in that capacity. So do you have anything else to add about you know, I know this is like the thirty thousand foot view of the hypothyroid or thyroid issues. We didn't really talk about hyper too much. That's a whole other conversation. We'll save that one for later. To be honest, I guess one thing that we will say about that, and this is something that you and I both see as well, is that Hashimoto's in the early stages of Hashimoto's, can wax and wane a little bit sometimes between hyper and hypo. So, if you're experiencing some hyperthyroid symptoms, ask your doctor if you've been, you know, if you have Hashimoto's or not. Uh, because a lot of times, automatically, what do they do when someone's hyperthyroid? What's the first thing they do? Well,
0: they diagnose you with Graves and they do a, you know, radioactive iodine uptake, or they remove half your thyroid. I mean, they try to destroy the thyroid to reduce down that that function. And yeah. and not that that's a bad thing because if someone with a too high a thyroid that's that's life threatening that could be dangerous but you know with everything you just have to do your research and make sure you're with a doctor that you trust before you're jumping into something that you know you can't
2: reverse. Yeah. So in the beginning if you are having some hyperthyroid symptoms don't necessarily overreact and don't necessarily automatically um, go through the radioactive treatment or or have it removed. Uh, Because sometimes just a little bit of time goes by and, you know, the true nature of a problem like that will, you know, kind of play itself out. And I've had a lot of people um, that have come in and, you know, they tell me their thyroid's been removed. They've had this, they've had that. And most of the time, I, I don't think it was necessary, you know, so, and that's one with the hyperthyroid, because like I said earlier, no one dies from hypothyroid, but certainly hyperthyroid can be a serious problem. You know, they don't delay with a problem like that. They're very quick to act sometimes and sometimes maybe a little bit too quick to act. So uh, that concludes another episode. Uh, one thing I'd like to ask, if you go on iTunes, uh, we're this is our second official episode. Again, we're really excited. If you go on iTunes, give us a review. Uh, we've got a bunch of them up there, but we haven't published in a while. So it would help everyone be able to find us all over again, uh, which would be very helpful. If you want more information about us, you can visit the website at ProgressHealth.com. Uh, so until another episode, Dr. Davidson, anything else to add?
0: No, I like you mentioned. You know, we kind of gave kind of an overview with the thyroid. There, we, gosh, I could go on for five more hours talking about all the nitty gritty. And in the future episodes, we're going to talk more about thyroid. We're, we'll break it down some more. So, but in the interim, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening. Yeah.
2: So until then, we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Progressive Health Podcast. Take care. Bye bye. Take care.
1: Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.